In this week's episode, Austin and I share three proven ways to build endurance. Like in training and in life, you can take a thousand different ways to get to the exact same destination. This holds true for building endurance. You get to do it your way if you lean into these three things that we talk about. Um, we also share some real life experience, some examples, and also share some tips on how to pull out your best endurance yet. So we hope you enjoy this episode, you learn something new, and we will see you next week. Hello, and welcome to episode 36 of the Elevate Your Running podcast. My name is Sarah Manderscheid, and I'm here with Austin Myers, co-host, New York City marathoner in training, and uh, all things running and strength training guru himself. (laughs) Uh, We're here today to talk about proven ways to build endurance, and I think this is a really great episode topic for this week and for this season, because we are in the midst of four big major marathons. We had Berlin last weekend, London, Chicago, New York. It's a really exciting season. There's a bunch of other marathons and races going on in the fall. They say that summer miles bring fall smiles. (laughs) And um, I hope most of us are kind of in that season of feeling the gains of all the summer training and all of the long runs in the grueling sun and heat and humidity and maybe at altitude. So We're really excited about this conversation. And, you know, if Kipchoge can run an amazing pace at, what was it, 437, Austin? 437. 437. Okay, first of all, one, how long can you hold a 437 pace? I don't even, maybe, I don't even know if I could get there. Yeah, I, I think I could really sprint out a 400, maybe 300. 400 I don't yeah. know but it's it's absolutely incredible and I mean he is just the epitome of endurance but also the epitome of like class and just mental strength to how long he's been doing this um if you don't know Elliot Kipchoge if you don't know his story and his history as a marathoner definitely look into it because he is such an inspiration for us all not just because of his ability but also just his his ability um as you know a mental strength runner which is something that we talk about a lot on this podcast is the importance and the emphasis that we need to place on the mental side of this game he is just amazing and and so classy in the sport as well yeah and he finished with a smile on his face i'm sure he was hurting to all extent and he still had a really great um, smile as he crossed the finish line. So what a way to kick off a series of fall marathons and just racing season. We have lots of really great halves and 10Ks, 5Ks, all the things. So before we get into our topic for today, um, let's get into our elevated moment. Austin, what do you have for us? Yeah, my elevated moment is honestly just feeling healthy and feeling strong again. Um, I mentioned on the podcast last week that you know, I'm not training for the New York City Marathon with the same focus as I have in recent marathons, um, kind of just embracing an approach of just enjoying it and, 
going out on the race course that day to run and, and just soak up the environment of New York city. So in doing that, I'm able to better balance my running and my strength training in the gym. Um, and I'm feeling healthy in doing that. And I know that the long game, which is something that we're going to talk about a lot in this episode is the ability to stay healthy and also enjoy the process. And that's something that I'm really enjoying doing right now. And I have some goals in the future that I look forward to kind of sharing uh, as a combination of those two things, because ultimately I believe that that's what's going to strengthen my abilities and longevity as an athlete. Oh yeah. I can't wait to hear all about it. And you're so right. It is all about the long game when you're training for something that is grueling, like a marathon training cycle. Last week, we talked about all the things that you should know before getting into a training cycle. One of those things that we mentioned is how much time it takes dedicating so much time to one specific race or outcome goal. You also get to have fun and find that balance. And if it's not there, it's okay to say, this isn't working. I need to figure out a way to make this work. And it could be shifting into more strength training. Austin, you're turning into an ultra beast, um, just <laughs> watching your reels and like your Instagram stories. I'm like, when he goes out to train hard for a marathon, you are going to be in full beast mode. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. It's, it's just really falling in love with the process and that's that's like the most cliche thing I could have said, but truly it is. Um, it's just yeah. finding what really, you know, you want to do every single day. And when you find that thing, you can go all in on it. So uh, it's it's a fun time to uh, to test some of this out and share it along the way. So, Sarah, what is your elevated moment of the week? Yeah, I have had a series of really great race strategy calls with athletes and as you know, they are really time intensive, the prep work, the time spent with each athlete. And at the end of the day, it is just so rewarding. And like seeing the smiles on the athletes faces, a lot of times we zoom or FaceTime or I can hear it in their voice for over the phone and just like how excited and nervous they are to race and like how much they've seen in progress over the course of four, five, six months. There's some athletes that I've been working with specifically for a year. And one of the girls or one of the ladies that I spoke with today, we did a two mile time trial a year ago. She ran a seven, I think she said a 744 pace for the two mile time trial. Well, guess what people? It is basically, we'll see how, we'll see how Sunday shakes out, but it is in the realm of her marathon pace that we are targeting. Isn't that incredible? I think it's like so inspiring to know that we can do anything. Like you said, Austin, when you go all in, you put your mind to it, you can do anything. So the athletes are 110% lifting me high this week. And I'm also in taper, which means I have more energy. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Austin's smiling. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but I am here. I get You're bringing the energy up. today and I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I needed that today. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to get into the topic um, for today, which are or which is um, proven ways to build endurance. So we can look at this in a lot of different ways. But Austin and I developed a three point system that we feel like is the best approach to building your endurance. Now, endurance is having the energy, the speed and 
Um, and yeah, the energy and the speed over the course of a duration of time, right? So you can produce energy and, um, and you want it to be as effective as possible. So the first thing that we're getting into is your metabolic endurance. So this is the energy and the exercise that clears out the byproducts. So this is going to be like the lactate that are in your muscles, in your bloodstream. It's the most effective way to build your endurance, right? It's, it's improving what's going on inside of your body and training itself. How many times have we talked about on the podcast, Austin, about like building that engine in your body, right? This is building the engine and it's a really important phase. It's the foundational phase or the foundational phase of running. And it's, one of the most powerful things that we can do as athletes, we get to be um, really consistent and really consistent with our mileage, with our long runs, with our workouts, we get to increase our mileage, which with each week, and then maybe decrease after three or four weeks. Um, and over the course of training cycles, continuing to build on that, that is something that I don't think a lot of coaches stress enough about is like once an athlete goes through a, let's say a marathon training cycle, if they decide to run a second marathon before maybe doing a different race, they need to have a different training cycle. They have to have different mileage. They have to have different workouts, different long runs. There has to be a different stress to the body. Otherwise the body, um, mind and soul are going to plateau. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, on the topic of metabolic endurance, I have a story from this past weekend. I was running with a friend of mine from work and he's not much of a runner. He's definitely new to it and just now getting into it a few times a week. And my plan was to run about 12 miles this past weekend. And I did two and then I met up with him. So I was going to run probably about five and then I was going to finish up my run. But throughout the run, the early stage of the run, I could really recognize that he was feeling good. We were having a full conversation. We were keeping the pace easy, which is a critical part of building that metabolic endurance. And we were talking through some of these things on like, why should we be running easy? What does that do for us? And he was telling me how it's around mile three that it starts to get hard for him. And basically what I said was that as you continue to run and you build that consistency, it becomes, you know, a completely different ball game where instead of at mile three, it starts to get hard at mile three, you actually start to settle in and then it doesn't start to get hard until mile five, six, eight, and it just scales along with your fitness. And that's all because you are able to put together consistent training in the most effective way possible, which for the most part, and for most of us, because this is such a struggle for many runners, that is to run at an easy pace and allow your body to understand what endurance training is, as opposed to and different from, you know, training that's more focused on power output or really quick bursts, which for some people that is their background, their background is sprinting or some sort of like when you consider the sport like football, that is quick burst, break, quick burst. So when you're getting into running and the 
the sport or sports of endurance to different ball game. And you have to teach your body what endurance is and how it needs to react in those situations. Absolutely. I love that example. And I think we can all relate to that, whether it's our first season of running, or maybe we take a break in running and we get back to it and it feels tough at some point, if you're consistent enough with it, Like you said, Austin, the three miles, you start to settle in and it might start to get harder at five or six. And as you build that longer long run, you're able to run further and maybe a little bit faster, but still in that easy zone and feeling good. Now you want to stay more in like the aerobic sort of workouts to work your your metabolic endurance. Um, And so that can be easy conversational running for sure marathon workouts, half marathon workouts, steady state progression runs. These all help the aerobic system because it's not like Austin was saying that like short top and power speed. It's the longer endurance side of things. And it's really fun to see athletes lean into a training cycle and see that they're they're really their endurance is increasing and getting faster and being they're just more powerful like I have an athlete who was training for a half marathon that he raced um last Sunday two Sundays ago and we were working on his 10k pace in that half marathon training plan and we were doing you know three by eight minutes three by ten minutes and it was hard and he he said it was really hard I'm like that's the point yes um now this isn't exactly an aerobic workout however like we were able to move his half marathon overall pace and time to what used to be his 10K time. And I think that is a great example of like endurance of showing up, being consistent and seeing that needle move where your half marathon pace is now what used to be your 10K pace. And now your 10K pace gets to be faster because of it. Um, It all translates and it's all like a trickle down effect, which is really, really fun. It can also be a trickle up effect. If you're really working hard on getting your 5k and your 10k paces um, low and speedy and fast, it will translate to the marathon at some point. Now, cross training also works to help build this metabolic endurance. Um, You can do a lot of biking, you can do pool running or just swimming. I know Austin, you were doing a bunch of swimming this summer that works to supplement running. And it's a really great way to cross train and maintain your health and your fitness and you're working other muscles, but you're still building into that endurance side of things. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's important that we stress you know, the easiest way that we can sabotage the development of our metabolic endurance, which is really skipping these important workouts. And you should be considering your easy runs that occur three, four or five times a week. Those should be important workouts to you. You should embrace those easy runs just as much as every other workout and really focus on the intention of that type of run. Because ultimately, if you are skipping training sessions of any sort, long run, workout, easy run, you are sabotaging your ability to stack consistency over time, which is really what allows for these adaptations to occur and for the development to take place. So, you know, 
the best reference that we can give you for building metabolic <laughs> endurance, easy running is our most popular episode of the podcast episode number 25, where we discuss all about easy running. We talk about our anecdotal stories and evidence and how we integrate <laughs> easy running into our training. That was a really fun episode. If you haven't listened to that one, or if you need a reminder on that topic, definitely go back and listen to that. But ultimately, metabolic endurance <laughs> is above all else, the most important part to our discussion today, because it is what is going to help you in the long term to build endurance. It's not going to happen in a week, a month, or even a year. It's going to happen over time. So like we were mentioning earlier, go all in, buy all in, and really put the work together over the long term. Absolutely. Be intentional each day, whether it's easy, marathon pace, half marathon pace, tempo, be intentional with what you're doing. If you're showing up, you're consistent, and you're being intentional with your time and your energy, awesome things will come from that. I really love right, the next... Sorry about that. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I really love the next topic, so <laughs> I was going to run all into it. It's running economy. Do it, Austin, do it. Now, yeah. what do we mean by running economy? That is... Essentially, your ability to run at a faster speed, but conserve your energy. And that is really what we're talking about when we're discussing endurance is your ability to hold back so that you can perform over an extended period of time. And also, let's consider maybe you're running a marathon and you're at mile 23 or 24. You have that stored energy so that you can give that final kick. And that's really what we look for, right? Like we were talking about Kipchoge earlier consider that kick that he probably had at the end of that race and he was smiling and he felt good in that moment. Now, obviously the adrenaline was rushing, but he got to that point because his running economy is probably better than anyone else's ever. And that happened over the course of time with structured training and really a focus on the mechanisms of running, which is what we're going to discuss in this section how your body is moving, coordination, your ability to run in different, um, you know, at different speeds over different distances and really using a training style that allows you to develop that running economy, but also having the mindfulness <clears throat> that running economy and your running form and your ability to develop that over time is going to allow you to build endurance. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the 10,000 hour rule, right? If you do something for 10,000 hours, you're like acclaimed expert, I guess, or specialist, something like that. So run, 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 people run. Um, if you the more you practice running, and you could do this, just with being consistent, showing up three, four, five, six days a week, whatever works for you, over time, it will improve. It's definitely a coordination um, as well, like you mentioned, Austin, and it's what's outside of running, what you can do outside of running to really improve your running economy too. So earlier this season or spring, I was working with a running specialist PT who was helping me with very specific exercises so I could get the most out of my running economy. So what we were doing, clamshells, glue bridges, single leg deadlifts, single leg stance, runner wall exercises. All of these exercises were 
not super intense, but what they showed was like a lack of real like balance and coordination. And when you're lacking that, which you don't really realize when you're running, when you lack it, when you're put into this container of doing these exercises, you realize just like how much you get to improve on all those little things to be able to have a more efficient running economy, which is going to like create just a stronger athlete. And it will give you that kick at the end that when you really, really need it or save some of the energy. I mean, over the marathon, what are we running? Like 40, 45,000 steps, like saving some of that energy to be able to use it when you really need it the most, which is usually in between mile, you know, 20 and 26.2. So, um, so it's how you move. Um, in other ways outside of the exercises of just working through some of like the resistance and the mobility and the like resistance band exercises, you can do it through running higher mileage, which does kind of fall into the first bucket that we were talking about, but just the more you practice running and, um, the more that you do it, the more you kind of fall into what is like your right running form too. Um, other ways that can help with running form are doing strides. Athletes, elevated athletes know all about strides. Strides are super great. They are fast pickups. You accelerate and then deaccelerate um, into the stride. It can be 15, 20, up to 30 seconds long. And it's a really great way to work on like feet turnover, knee drive, pumping your arms and getting and engaging your core. Um, form drills are also a really, really, really great way to work on your form. So that could be examples are like butt kicks, um, or glass walls, high knees, karaoke. Um, you can do a skips, B skips. If you're really talented, C skips, <laughs> um, and a lot of different exercises that really work on your form. I know this summer, this is like, Oh, something I get to work on. Um, we do a lot of um, drills with um, Nell has us do, you know, quite a few drills, which are, it's awesome. We get to do them as a team. And one of the drills that we usually do every single week is like running backwards, but like in a slow motion. So you're like pumping your arms and you're really extending your leg back and you have to keep your head and your face and your eyes forward and it is by far like the hardest move for me. And <laughs> everyone on the team knows it. And it's so interesting that once you get out of just that zone of running in a forward motion, you start to see like holes in really who you are as an athlete, right? In episode 30 of the Elevate Your Running podcast, uh, Jason Fitzgerald talked to us all about strength training and how um, you know, all of the strength training moves really develop you into an athlete. And that's what we're really targeting here. More of an athlete persona versus a runner persona. Um, but drills are super great, you know, running fast on the regular. So that could mean incorporating sprints or strides, hill strides, flat strides into your running. Um, having workouts, making sure that one day a week you're doing a track workout or a tempo workout, something like that. Um, and then, you know, lifting heavy weights. And this is where I'm going to like cue it over to Austin. Do you want to talk about strength training? <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad you, you queued it up in that way. As you were discussing 
um, you know, all of that, I was remembering back to our episode with Jason Fitzgerald. And unfortunately, I can't remember exactly how he said it, but I'll share it in two ways. We'll start with strength training. If I am training in the gym and my goal is to become stronger, to gain weight on, let's say, a deadlift, essentially picking a bar with loaded weight up off the ground from floor to full extension with my body. The question that we really need to ask is, are you moving the bar or is the bar moving you? And what do I mean by that? I mean that once you start to lift that weight off the ground and you notice that it's heavy and that gravity is fighting against you and it's pulling that bar back towards the ground, one of two things are going to happen. Either you are going to try to push through that rep in a controlled manner, meaning that you're firing the muscles that need to be fired and you are maintaining proper form and technique through the lift or form and technique is going to break down and that weight is either not going to move throughout the entire course of the rep or you could hurt yourself because you perform the rep improperly. You're activating the wrong muscles. And the question that we need to ask is, are you moving the bar or is the bar moving you? What are you controlling? Who's controlling the weight? And I'll communicate that in terms of running. And this is where I wish I could remember exactly what Jason Fitzgerald said. But essentially the question as runners that we can ask is, are you moving your legs or are your legs moving you? If you've run a marathon or if you've just run a long distance and you felt the fatigue that can build up in your legs, it almost gets to the point that you feel like you lose control of your body and your legs are just kind of doing their own thing. And those moments and also the moments that preceded that, it's important for us to understand that we can be in control of our bodies. We can focus on the efficiency of each step. And we can keep our best possible form and technique together. Now, what does that require? It requires a lot of practice. It requires a lot of focus and intentionality on your movement pattern within running. Or if I'm doing some sort of strength training movement, it requires that I do a lot of strength training in a specific movement pattern with less weight than is maximal to me. So sub-maximal weight. What does that mean? That means that I can lift this bar off the ground for one rep, three rep, five reps without feeling like I'm going to fail. Why do I do that? I do that not only to overload the muscles, but also to build the technique and ingrain it into my mind and to create a sort of muscle memory that's not only going to make me better at that lift, but also better in tune with my body which is going to help you become a better athlete. This is truly where I love strength training and where I love what it does for me as a runner. Um, I've always kind of joked around with my friends that I'll never be the strongest, but I control the weight so much. And I, I, I almost control the weight so much that it makes me weaker because I stress the muscle before I actually need to either push or pull the weight through the, the repetition, through the range of motion. But essentially what I'm doing is finding that mind-muscle connection. And I've actually seen that transfer over to running. 
So for example, if I'm able to strength train my legs, my hamstrings, my quads, my glutes, when I'm running and when I'm at a point of my run where I'm starting to fatigue and I can feel that I'm that I'm losing my legs a little bit, I'm able to focus in on specific muscles. I like to think of the cue of grabbing the ground with your hamstrings and pulling because I think it's really easy as runners, especially when you're fatigued, to place too much emphasis on your quads because you can see your quads working, but your quads will wear down and you want to be able to recruit other muscles when that happens. So you can think about grabbing the ground with your hamstrings or activating your glutes and those forms of mind muscle connection help you to improve your running economy, help you to become a stronger runner, not only over time, but over a duration of a run specifically those long runs or big races that you're training for. And I really love strides. I actually like, it took me a little bit to get into strides until I was working with you as my coach there. I hadn't really been doing strides. And what I found with strides is that it is 20 seconds. If nothing else, it is 20 to 30 seconds of really devoted time that I'm hyper-focused on my form. Now we can embrace Mm -hmm form focus within strides, but you can also embrace it on a standard easy run. You can focus in on your foot cadence. You can focus in on um, how your feet are falling on the ground and what that's doing for your running form and running economy. There's so many ways that we can focus in on this and it actually can become um, sort of a meditative thing on an easy run where you're going to, let's say you're not feeling it that day you don't want to go out for your run but you get a mile or two in and you're kind of focusing on little tweaks of your running form trying to optimize it it actually really allows you to fall into a rhythm and you know this is especially true when you can work strides either into a run or put them at the end of a run and you can just stack that over time it really allows you to develop running economy but you do have to be focused with it. You have to be intentional about it. And you have to remember that you are the one moving your legs. It is not your legs that are moving you. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't know what you look like running, uh, invitation to have someone take a video of you. And it's a, it's a really great way. I mean, I think we've all seen that meme out there. It's like how you think you look running and how you actually look running. And I feel like we all fall into that boat and like, just work on one thing at a time and it will move the needle over time. It's not going to be something that can happen um, quickly. It is more of that long game of like, if you're doing the exercises that you need to do, like the lower leg work, the the core work, um, driving your knees, the drills, if you're doing those consistently and like two, three times a week, you probably will start to see results quickly but if you're going to work on one thing at a, at a time, which is the right approach, I think, or the way a lot of people need and want to do it because it can get overwhelming if you do it the other way, like it will take time to see your form develop, but you're going to start to notice and feel it when you're running. I have on easy runs, it's like when my foot and like whole lower leg is like, landing firm on the ground right below my hip and my knees not caving in it's staying straight and my whole like right leg is feeling super powerful like 
you can feel that when you're in that flow. And it's a really cool thing about being a runner. You can feel when your core is engaged, you can feel that lean more tilt from the ankles versus like tilt from the hips or the waist, but you can start to feel it. And when you can feel it, um, you're just going to want to do it more. And it's going to be a really great result for you in your next race too. pump those arms too. <laughs> yeah. I'm really happy you mentioned core strength. You know, I think that Jason Fitzgerald did an awesome job of this on, on the podcast where he kind of scaled strength training to wherever you're at. So if you want to gain legitimate strength through like uh, a focused lift, or if you just want to be able to put more weight on the bar and see how that translates to your running, you can certainly do that. But there's also entry points of body weight strength and focusing on core strength. And that's really where it all starts. Like all of our running form begins mm -hmm. and ends with our core and what happens with the rest of our body can be an outcome of that. So make sure that you are integrating some sort of core strengthening exercises into your routine because you're going to better be able to control your body in your running form and in any other athletic movements as a result of that. Absolutely. Follow Elevate Your Running on YouTube. There are some core videos um, that I've shared with my athletes. I've been told that they're a burner. <laughs> so you're you're warned. Six minutes of just pure core bliss. Um, but it's a great intro. It's a great way to start developing those core muscles because they are a huge, huge component to your running economy, your running form, and just you as an overall athlete. A strong core makes for a strong runner. Yeah. And really become a student of it as well. Um, you know, if if you look up running form videos on YouTube, first and foremost, one of the first people that you're probably going to see is the guy that we've mentioned multiple times in this podcast, yeah. which is Elliot Kipchoge, because he has arguably the best running form that you will see ever. And it's, it's certainly development. And some of it is natural, like some of it is just talent that he was born with, but it was still developed over time. And it was ingrained into his muscular system over time. But if you look up videos on YouTube, you'll get a lot of really great insights that you can then take into your next run. And some of these cues will be things that you're considering in your next run. And that just really allows you to fall in love with the process of it all and just see the very minute ways that you can develop over time. And actually, I do have a book recommendation that I listened to when I was training for my first marathon. Um, I listened to it on Audible. So if you listen to Audible, it is available there and a really good listen. It is called The Lost Art of Running. And it is a pretty comprehensive book on running form and how that form can be developed and how it will benefit you and pay off in your training. Love it. Absolutely love it. Dina Castor's book. Um the title is escaping me, but if you're looking for like a mental strength book, I read it during my first marathon training cycle. Her stories are amazing. It's very well written. It feels like you're in the story with her or you're experiencing it with her. And it's an incredible book all about the perseverance and overcoming the mental hurdles that come in the sport that we love to do. So another great book recommendation. Um, let's get to our third 
And final piece to um, this endurance talk and this endurance conversation today, it's stacking training cycles and stacking the wins and stacking the consistency. Having something to train for is one of the best ways to build your endurance and continuing that flow. Now, it's definitely awesome to take rest and recovery after a hard training cycle, a hard race, or even just a long race, right? Um, your body needs to have that downtime. Depending on the race distance, it could be a week, it could be two weeks, it could be sprinkling in some easy running during that time. I know after I ran CIM, my first marathon, I didn't run for two weeks. Um, I went in and dove right into like yoga and rest and sleeping, and I was definitely ready to get back to my first run, but I didn't run a whole lot for that whole next month or so. I just kind of let it be. And that's okay too. Getting back into it though, and stacking those training cycles. So if you're going to be training for a 5k, which is one of the best things to do after a marathon training cycle, or going back into a new training cycle for, um, could be a half marathon full, maybe it's base training, um, but maybe you're, you're doing it for joy and for happiness, but stacking that consistency and developing um, your running consistency and form and endurance over time is what we've been talking about pretty much this whole episode, playing the long game and working to build all of it. Because over time, all of those 1% needle movers are going to add up and will be tenfold and you'll show up in a much stronger way. Like how many times have we seen athletes say like, I started running 10 years ago and I've been running, you know, marathons 10 years ago. And finally, this is my year where I'm having this breakthrough performance and I'm, you know, Boston qualifying or I'm cracking four hours in the marathon or whatever that is for you. Like it just takes time. So stacking those wins, stacking those training cycles are going to be one of the best ways to do it while also giving your body the rest and recovery that it needs. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to stick to something if there's not a vision for what you want to achieve. Um, you know, mm -hmm. right now I'm, I'm certainly not, uh, you know, following the ideal marathon training setup. However, I still am following a few core principles. And I think that's a good way to look at it is like, what mm -hmm. can I continue to do and what should I be doing or what do I want to do as a runner so that I can continue to improve even just a little bit over time. So continuing to do your easy running, continuing to focus on your running economy and becoming a better runner um, physiologically and having something, no matter how far off into the distance it is that you want to achieve and just understanding that by stacking things together, you can get to that point. And, you know, Sarah, you were mentioning recovery. It's important to also recognize that recovery can be viewed as a part of a training cycle. Like your mm -hmm. ability to recover is necessary both within a training cycle and maybe when you, you feel like you're in a little bit of an in-between point. To, truly, you don't ever have to feel like you're in an in-between point as long as you're trying to make some sort of forward progress. And forward progress does occur through recovery. You do become a stronger athlete by allowing yourself time to recover and 
that is something that we've talked about a lot in this podcast because it's such a huge part of it, not only physically, but also mentally, allowing yourself sometimes a little bit of a step back so that then you can take two steps forward. Totally. Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, it might look like more like six months or a year of rest or taking seven years or doing what you need to do to maybe support other areas of your life. And although that isn't, you know, quote unquote, stacking training cycles back to back, what it is doing is it's allowing your body to rest and recover. Yep. You get to show up on day one and it's not going to feel good. And being consistent might feel really foreign and it might take a while to get that fitness back, but more times than not, you're going to show up much stronger and happier doing that too. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've said for a while is that there are not many feelings better than the week one day one feeling. And what I mean by that is week one, day one of your pursuit towards a goal. Um, and does that mean that it feels great physically? Absolutely not. Typically week, well, week one, day one may feel all right physically just because the momentum and the inspiration's there. But week one, day two might not feel very good. Week one, day three (laughs) will feel a little bit worse. But really what we're considering is the mental part. Why does that feeling just push us so hard to want to get out there that first week or maybe a little bit more than a week? You know, it's it's inspiration, but it's also that your vision is clear. Like Mm -hmm. you have a clear understanding of where you're trying to go and over time, as things begin to get harder, as life begins to compound, and there's other factors that you have to worry about outside of your physical pursuits, that vision becomes clouded. But that doesn't mean it's not there. It's still there. When you're driving and there's a fog in the air, the road's still there. It's just you can't see it as well. But when the fog clears, and it always does, you begin to see the road just as clearly as you did before. And you realize that you're farther along on it. So by stacking training cycles, we're really talking about continuing to allow yourself to establish a vision. And no matter how hard it may feel in the moment, or no matter how much progress you feel like you're not making, the truth is that by continuing to do what you do, which is running and, and becoming a stronger athlete all around, you are stacking your fitness, you are stacking your ability so that you are ready when it's time to really hone in on a very specific goal. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't shared too much on the podcast about my marathon training cycle for Chicago, um, or at least I've shared less than in past training cycles. But, you know, the first workout I had, I had a one mile at goal pace. And I haven't really talked about what my goal pace is either, but it's different from what I've done before. And I remember like finishing the mile and I said to Nell, I was like, oh, that was hard. And she's like, well, you know, every day is different, right? Like you're going to have days where it's going to feel hard. Like, you know, marathon pace for me doesn't feel easy either. Some days like it feels hard. So know that like one, just by showing up, you're doing incredible things. It's not going to be easy. Anything worth, you know, doing something well at and well with is going to take a lot of work. And there's going to be points where you stumble and trip and maybe move backwards. But if you continue to show up, 
do the hard work, be consistent, and also be happy. That's like one of the biggest things I want to stress. It like bums me out when I hear people say like this training cycle, you know, I have to pull it back or it wasn't fun. Like it gets to be both. Um, so find out how to do that. Maybe we can talk about that on another episode, how to balance it. But, um, also know that like sometimes things can be tough. So even in this training cycle building to Chicago, I had 12 weeks. I'm in week 10 right now, I guess. And, you know, last week I finally had like a good track workout (laughs) and, like some of my trackouts were good, but they weren't great. This was a great, this was like an awesome track workout. Like I completely exploded on the track. It was amazing. And I said to Nell, I was like, Hey, you know, I finally showed up in the 11th hour and she was like, Hey, it's before the race. Who cares? Let's do this. Like at some point you're going to turn that corner and it's continuing to believe in yourself. It's continuing to believe in the process and to be consistent and to show up and know that like, everything will come together the way it should. It's never on the timeline that we want, right? Whether it's in running or in life, but knowing at the end of the day, um, you are going to get something really great and memorable out of it. You're going to show up stronger. You're going to show up in, you know, total beast mode, if that's what you're looking to do. And you're going to be moving the needles in all things. So um, lean in to that. Yeah. And, you know, one thing, Sarah, that I feel like I've seen from your marathon training build towards Chicago is that you have been in a a flow state of training. Now, that is not to say that you weren't thrown out of your flow state in certain moments, but I think it's important to recognize. (laughs) Yeah. But when you find that again, and it's important to recognize at least what I believe is that the greatest progress is not made in the highest of highs. And it's not made by overcoming the lowest of lows. The greatest progress is actually made right in between, right in the middle where you're just kind of flowing along and you're just checking, you're checking the workouts, you're accomplishing the goal, you're performing to the program task that you were supposed to. That's where the progress is made. And oftentimes that's not the most exciting part, but when you fall into that rhythm, and you're getting the job done, and it's just kind of working for you, then you start to find those high moments. And you're like, wow, look what just happened as a result of weeks and months of work. And that's a result of simply putting in the effort, putting in the work, and proving to yourself every single day that you can get a little bit better. And then you see the outcome and the result. Absolutely. Like I had last week, I was doing 400s. 10 by, or I'm sorry, excuse me, 12 by 400s with marathon, one mile, 1600 meters in between bookending the workout. It was in my eighth rep. She said, I don't want you to look at your watch. I want you to full, just full send this. Like we're going all out like 90, 95%. So I did. And she's like yelling at my, she's yelling my splits at the 100, 200. And I hit a three second PR in the 200 in my eighth rep of running 400s. And I think that goes to show that like doing what you can do, showing up, trusting the process, trusting yourself, leaning into what you can do as an athlete, you are going to see those like highs of highs and it's going to be a really special moment. It's going to create a lot of confidence, 
a lot of momentum um, going into your next workout, into your next long run, into race day. And it's going to be a really special thing. And, and just trusting that when it doesn't feel good, that doesn't mean you're not making progress. I think it's yeah. really easy, uh, easy for us to, you know, have a moment where we don't hit the goal time or we don't feel as good as we wanted to feel on a specific run. And we think that some sort of regression happened. Regression didn't actually yeah. happen. The majority <laughs> of the time you feeling that way is because you're making progress in that moment, you are growing and the pains that you're feeling are quite literally growing pains, but you have to work through them. And when you do work through them, that's when you see the results of it. Yeah. Breakthrough to the other side. It's a fun and special place to be for sure. Yeah. Well, this is a fun conversation. We discussed all yeah. of the proven, both by science and by our personal anecdotes, ways to <laughs> build endurance. It does not happen in a short term period of time. It happens in the long term, but that's what we're here to do. We're here to grow. We're here to become better runners, better people through that experience. And we hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, we would love for you to connect with us on social media. You can find me on Instagram at Austin Myers 12. And Sarah, where can they connect with you and the Elevate Your Running brand? Yeah, it's Sarah, S-A-Y-R-A-H runs happy and at Elevate Your Running. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening this week. We love you all. We hope you have a great week and happy running. Thank you.